What happens next? Are you ready? Mm-hmm. Are you ready? Here we go. And we're back. Welcome once again to another episode of Mike, Mike, and Oscar. I'm your co-host, Mike One, co-host also Mike, in a moment. And we're getting our gambling shoes on as we're getting ready to preview, kind of review, but mostly preview the upcoming summer slate of films in a very degenerative way. What are your gambling shoes, by the way? Like, do you have... (laughs) Right now, they're my slippers, I think. (laughs) They're whatever happened to be on my feet at the time. (laughs) <laughs> that's that's scary mm-hmm. but uh this is a fake gambling exercise which we, right. we were talking about in the pre-show today it's not even real mike and we both spent an inordinate an inordinate or an inordinate amount mm-hmm. of time on this like oh, like 10 hours a piece yeah. researching over-unders that have nothing to do with nobody <laughs> just for our own per- personal gratification about what we think you know, these 10 big summer box office movies could make. Correct. And we're not even going to make it. We don't even have a chance to make any money ourselves. And yet we're <laughs> well, very passionate about this, both yeah. of us. I'm, I've am i never been more right about anything <laughs> than I am about every single number I laid down for the over-under <laughs> in, this mo- in this episode. I can tell you that right now. M- there's many numbers that I agree with wholeheartedly, <laughs> and there's a few that I'm a little suspicious of. <laughs> Good. Let's just Good. say. Then me and reality will shock you when the time comes. But that's what we're doing. We're doing over-unders for the summer movie slate. Uh, If you don't know what an over-under is, if you've not joined us for a gambling-type episode before, what it is is uh, there will be a number that's usually laid out by the book, the house, the the casino, wherever you're placing your bet. Uh, In this case, I made the number. For purposes of this episode, if you think this movie will have a box office that ends up going over the stated number, then mm-hmm. you would bet over. So, for example, if I think any given movie is going to do a $100 million worldwide box office, if Mike thinks that movie is going to do a $101 million worldwide box office, he would want to take the over. Same with the under. It's the same thing. If Mike thinks that $100 million and over-under number that I put out, if he, if he thinks that movie is going to do $99 million for a worldwide box office or less... Mm-hmm. He would want to take the under. That is how the over-under mechanism works for purposes of both this episode and any casino you want to walk into for sports lines and betting lines. So I'm, I'm just helping everyone become a degenerate with me. Do you like betting over-unders as a, as a sports gambler or no? Could have stopped that question after the word betting and the answer would have been yes. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Tells me a lot. Or nothing at all, actually. Uh, like I mean, yes, but, you know... You, Life's too short to bet unders is basically the uh, the real degenerate uh, hook. That's you end up in the, and the books know this. They want you to bet the overs and they sucker you in and they get you and that's that's how they make a lot of their money. They know the public wants to bet overs because hmm. when you bet an under, you're dead in the water. You're just basically waiting the whole game with dread in your heart, and nobody wants to feel that way. Well, I actually thought about inviting like one of our box office friends on this mm. show, but I think they would have that gambler's mentality. Like we we know some bullish box office people, and we know some bearish box office people. Let's just say that. So I think if we invited a bull, he would just be like, over, over, over. Well, over, that, I'll tell you, like that exact mindset, yeah. I think is going to rear its head between you and me alone. Because I was looking over your notes in this doc and some of the stuff that you think that I'm a little crazy on, and mm-hmm. I, I tried to be more conservative, and I feel like you have. Of, like a great optimism for this summer for the However, box office. There's there is this 
there's more involved. There's more baggage between you and I, I think. <laughs> we have more at stake than just the yin and the yang that we, you know, these parts we play. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I think there's personal more, pride. <laughs> there's receipts involved. Right. There's, right. you know, the whole uh, hedging of one's bets, I would mm-hmm. say, too. We a lot can of hedge jousting our in the texts. Right. Yeah. We can right. hedge our receipts as well. So there's a, lo- all, there's, there's a lot going on here in this episode of Overrunners. <laughs> So we took 10 movies coming out this summer. It will be, uh, we're going to talk all about them. We're going to talk about the box offices, why we think the numbers will be, what they will be. A lot of stuff having to do with them. I'm going to present each movie. I'm going to give you uh, basically the three biggest factors. That's how we're going to frame the conversation around each of these movies. What are the three biggest factors towards me putting the over-under number that I finally do land on for these movies and then Mike and I will decide whether we want the over the under for those numbers so I'm playing both house and gambler this is truly and sincerely the dream of mine <laughs> it's a dream that we both... I will lose money to myself <laughs> or make money off yourself no 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 <laughs> no <laughs> I know myself too well for that Bob, Mike, we got to talk about uh, uh, last weekend though, because it does definitely sets yeah. the stage here. Because Top Gun Maverick did uh, did ninety million dollars in its second weekend. You're going to categorize this and and quantify this twenty nine percent fall, this this hold of epic proportions in a minute. But this is the perfect movie to start with because it's impossible to project Top Gun Maverick after it held almost you know thirty percent better. Then the last major blockbuster yeah. of this pandemic era in Doctor Strange, was, which fell 67% in its second weekend and, and has only crossed $900 million total, whereas I think now you're getting a lot of people that are bullish on Top Gun Maverick's projections. Uh, the Hollywood Reporter in particular, Deadline, they're all kind of circling the $1 billion number. Yeah. And they're saying maybe under on that because no China or Russia, but we got... You know, we're going to have our own thoughts on, on that uh, characterization, I would say. Yeah, it's the rare case that the the domestic box office is going to be, looks like it'll be doing more than half of the lifting for the overall box office of that. But let's start there. Let's and uh, talk about where Top Gun Maverick will top out. Uh, and you set the stage beautifully. This is a tough movie to kind of pin down because we don't really have any kind of precedent to compare this one to. Here are the three big things for Top Gun Maverick's overall box office. Number one. Currently sitting at five hundred and eighty-three million. That was from yesterday. That m- number is going to only go up. It'll be near six hundred million by the time this weekend hits. But five hundred eighty-three million for purposes of this conversation. Current worldwide box office after twelve days in theaters. Number two, it has had little to no domestic box office competition mm. because both weekends it's been in theaters. Doctor Strange was number two both weekends, and that was Doctor Strange's fourth and fifth weekends in theaters. So there hasn't been a tentpole coming out to take anything away from top guns uh, audience right box office Burgerman, our, our buddy over mm-hmm. at indywire he's he had it uh clocked out as uh 75 percent of last weekend's box office went straight to top gun maverick wow yeah. yeah well that's i mean there you go it's doing all the heavy lifting for american theaters right now and so that means number three and it's the first point i made this point mike's already made the similarity score trying to find something to compare this to historically is is really tough uh between its first two weekends mike already gave you the number top gun 2 lost only 28.9 percent of its audience it had basically a 71 percent audience retention rate that 28.9 percent audience drop from weekend one to weekend two is the smallest weekend to weekend audience drop for any movie to ever open over a hundred million dollars domestically and it's the 94th smallest weekend to weekend drop weekend one to weekend two drop for any movie 
ever to play over 3,000 screens. Now, 94th makes it sound like that's a very long list, and it, and it is. And there's a lot well, of the top 20 of those on that list gained an audience. Right, and that happens for phenom movies like The Sixth Sense. We get one of those every five years or so. Crazy Rich Asians was mm-hmm. another one of those surprise hits, those phenomena-type films in a way. But look, it, I, I think there's another way to characterize films like this. It's awards movies. Like We see awards movies hold very well pushing that propaganda huh yeah over months long you know (laughs) uh, over over a month let's say this must be an awards movie it's acting like an awards movie (laughs) they will make box office throughout the entire awards run Mm -hmm. the awards season especially the best picture contenders but there's also another common factor to a lot of those movies on this list mike and it's the christmas winter holiday season sure We have movies like Avatar 2, The Greatest Showman, big, smaller. We've seen holds of unprecedented levels and gains, like like I just said. Avatar came out and made $77 million, and then it, hold, it held, like, it only dropped like 2%. But we know how that frame works. Every single day during your Christmas break is like a weekend day, right. which is why maybe people didn't see The Greatest Showman on Christmas Eve, let's say, but they saw it sometime during the Christmas break and they all wanted to see it. So Top Gun Maverick's hold is particularly unique throughout history because it's not happening during the Christmas frame. And it's also happening on another level that is actually double what Avatar did. Maverick did 155 in its four-day opening weekend, 126, I think, in its Mm three-day. And it's held insanely well, 90 million last week, only dropping... Uh, you know, 28%. That's that's unprecedented. Yeah, uh, and just to show you how unprecedented, the next closest $100 million-plus domestic opener on the list of smallest audience drops uh, were also sequels in Shrek 2 and Frozen 2. Those lost 33.2% and 34% of their audience from opening weekend to weekend 2, respectively. And each of those films finishes two of the highest-grossing animated films of all time. For a live-action $100 million domestic opening to compare with Top Gun 2, you got to go all the way back to 2002 Spider-Man. Mm. That's the next highest, or the next lowest, I should say, audience drop between Weekend 1 and Weekend 2 for a live-action movie that opened over $100 million. That lost 37.2% of its audience. Mm-hmm. For a non-comic book live-action movie, you got to go all the way back to Episode 7, which still lost almost 40% of its audience between Weekend 1 and Weekend 2. And Top Gun doesn't fit into the comic book category. It's not a Star Wars movie. It is a sequel, but it's still this kind of, you said unique. It's this live-action movie that's this 36-year-old gestating sequel. For the first live-action, non-comic book, non-Disney movie mm. that opened over $100 million domestically, and lost its the next smallest percentage to Top Gun's 28.9% of its audience. You got to go to Harry Potter and the Goblet of Fire that opened at $102 million domestically, and it lost 47% of its audience between Weekend 1 and Weekend 2. Top Gun lost not even 29% of its audience for $100 million, second on that list of $100 million openings that has nothing to do with Disney or comic books is Harry Potter and the Goblet of Fire, which lost almost half its audience. This is unprecedented is truly the word for what Top Gun's doing right now. And, and only losing half your audience is actually considered a very strong hold. Yeah. Like that Goblet of Fire number is not a bad number. No, not we at ju- all. We just saw Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness 
lose sixty seven percent, and that's yeah, I, kind I mean of historically the the box office blow ups, the big money makers. If you lose forty five to sixty five percent, that's normal, right? Absolutely. Yeah, and so, Doctor Strange was on the bottom end of that. People were a little worried, and the projections came down. But uh, Top Gun, they don't even know what to do with those projections mm-hmm. because the hold is so strong. There's some movies out there you can try to compare it to. Like, both Incredibles movies actually kind of stack up kind of well. But again, mm-hmm. family films tend to do better for longer uh, in the box office than action movies do, even though you could argue that Top Gun Maverick may be a family movie as well, uh, if you want to stake your claim on that. You add in variables like the fact that this isn't available in China, it's not available in Russia, and won't be for the foreseeable future. This is, I think, making an over-under for this movie and where this is going to end up box office-wise is is really just driving blind. I think you can't do anything but guess. So for a team of crack investigators that probably spent four of those ten hours apiece on this question of Top Gun Maverick, <laughs> that's quite the long-winded explanation that it basically amounts to a quote from the film. Don't mm-hmm. don't think, just do. Very and good. That's, and that's the setup. It's <laughs> the setup quote for the payoff later on. Don't think, just do. Believe me. So where do, where do you go with this, Mike? What's your what's your number? Are you going with the THR number or what? I, I was heartened by uh, by Tom Bruggeman suggesting that this could do six hundred million dollars domestically. Mm-hmm. There's only been so many films. I think I want to say twelve movies. I have it written down somewhere in the doc that have done six hundred million dollars domestically. But that's the over under I'm pinpointing at. Even if this does drop another fifty percent this weekend from last weekend, which I expect it to, right? Uh, that's still going to be another forty five million dollars added to its domestic total. That would have it in play for a top twelve third weekend gross for any movie ever uh Hmm. that said the over under yeah okay let's put it at 600 million can it break that threshold and let's put the uh worldwide box office again let's assume that the domestic is going to do a little better than half of what the worldwide box office is has has been the trend thus far i have 600 million for the domestic over under and 1.1 billion for the worldwide box office over under wow so i'm actually going to hedge my bet a little bit i think it'll go over or I think if it goes over the six hundred million, it will go over the one point one. I think that's that's wise for you to make those numbers. But this actually gives me pause because I do think Top Gun Maverick is going over one billion. So this is actually a very good over under. It's supposed to make you think. It's supposed to kind of you know hold you in your track. So kudos to you there. Uh, I am going to reluctantly say the under on the worldwide box office, but. I have a reason. I'm looking at okay. films like Inception. Inception came out in 2010. That was a very competitive year. And it had similar cross-quadrant appeal. It kind of had the the dads, and it was the cool film for a couple of weeks there. It had both. It had star power with Leo. Tom Cruise is kind of a, you know, maybe the last movie star, and the last one before him was probably Leo. So if inception is gonna fall in its third weekend which it did uh, amongst competition mm-hmm. because it had a really good hold of only you know 32 percent on a on a fall so it held 68 percent which is comparable to 71 sure. percent at you know 71 and change that top gun just did inception then fell 57 percent in its third weekend and then held kind of for the long term after that 43 percent anyway inception you know, pro- it made 826 overall. I think Inception had a much higher worldwide rake on it. So I- I'm going to say family animated kids films, those typically have longer holds. I'm thinking Maverick is going to run into some some 
competition against its demo because you have a particularly boomer friendly demo. You have Jurassic Park six, you have Elvis, you have Thor, and and then you have kids movies like Lightyear and Minions that might take some mm-hmm. parents away from going to see Top Gun for the fifteenth time. So I'm thinking it's going to finish over a billion and under the one point one. So I'm, I'm I'm hedging a little bit, but I, I think you're right. If it does cross $600 million, they've been going neck and neck, the domestic and international totals right now, th- then it probably does it probably does cross 1.1. Good number. I, th- I appreciate that. I think I agree with you. It is a great number. I agree. Pat myself on the back because mm. I am having trouble deciding what I want to do with it as well. And this is, again, where I lose money to myself. <laughs> I, I, I think your logic makes sense, and I agree that I, I looked at – Kind of I just picture some... you. I just picture you. You know, counting on your one finger and say, "I got me right where I want." Me. Having the Smeagol and Gollum conversation back yeah. and forth. Back. <laughs> I got myself right where I want me. Um, I, I tried looking back at some past blockbusters and some big money makers. Even if this does another fifty million and adds it this weekend and adds that to its total, you're going to be around four hundred million. Typically, after the third weekend, you can only squeeze about one to two hundred million more out of your domestic total. Hmm. So this has a bit of a climb to even get to four hundred million, and then asking it to get to four hundred million, and then adding the higher end of that, which would be another two hundred million for the rest of its theatrical run, is a tall ask. I, I mean, clearly this is like we keep saying unique. I think it will fall just short. It is funny, though, for all these movies. I tried to find something to compare or that's most like historically the movie that we're watching. And there's nothing like we, we said. There's nothing that's exactly like Top Gun Maverick. But mm-hmm. this is very similar to Shrek 2. Yeah. Uh, in Box office wise. And Shrek 2 finished at $441 million, uh, in 2004, which is $675 million in 2022 dollars. So oh, wow. It, it, you know, I mean, it's now the Shrek 2 pacing. Uh, it, it was it it opened at a higher 2022 number than than Top Gun Maverick's 2022 box office was. So it's mm-hmm. Trek Two is actually outpacing Top Gun Maverick a little bit, but it's going to be right around that 600 million dollar mark. I'm going to go slightly under on both, but I do think it cracks a billion as well. Shrek's one and two were awesome, weren't they? Back in the day, I love <laughs> I both. Don't of remember, those I cannot distinguish one Shrek movie from the other in my mind. Shrek, I have no idea what the plots of any of them were anymore. Shrek two was really about the romance, even more so than the first one. Uh, I, anyway, I just I love Shrek two. I love the first two movies. Those were event films. Those were fun. Uh, let's move on to Jurassic World Dominion, Michael. Uh, you got three quick reasons. I'll take the second one, but this comes out this weekend. We are probably seeing it reluctantly, I would say, or not. I don't know. I'm, I don't know. I don't know I'm if I'm going to. I can't get myself at all. Like, I can't give myself a reason to go to the box office for this, and especially after I lay out the case for the over-under, but mm. let's get to there. Uh, reason number one, the trends of the first Jurassic trilogy have thus far mirrored this Jurassic trilogy fairly well in terms of box office decline percentage-wise for movies one to movie two. And it's already started very well at the international box office, at least in 15 overseas markets. Uh, 56 million was its rake on its and its opening days mm. there. 18 million in Mexico, 15 in Korea. And Deadline says it's tracking overseas one percent ahead of Jurassic World: Fallen Kingdom. Now, if it does one percent over Fallen Kingdom in total, that may not sound like a big percentage up, but that's going to mean that Dominion ends up doing one point three two three billion worldwide, mm. and I'll die a little inside. <laughs> but reason number three, 
the more the reviews have started coming in, the worse the outlook has gone for this movie. Its first eight reviews on Rotten Tomato had the movie carrying an 88% overall score. The next three reviews sank that score all the way down to a 73%. And then this morning, there are now 152 reviews on Rotten Tomato for Jurassic Park Dominion, and it's carrying a rotten 38% critic score. Yeah, which is validating in a way because the first wave of reviewers that went to see it we saw Rotten Tomatoes come out with actually a positive score, like you said. And then I'm actually I'm actually proud of Film Twitter for once because they were like, wait a minute. <laughs> this is what the movie is. This is mm-hmm. what we have hate about it. So uh, on the one hand, I'm kind of proud. But on the other hand, I'm getting annoyed with the positive reviews because I can't look at it. I, I can't help but look at them talking about how similar goods are delivered like Top Gun Maverick, which I just think is anathema at this point. It's heresy. (laughs) So, like, my patently ridiculous irrational read here is that, uh, you know, one film is patently ridiculous and the other one is about dinosaurs. Like, that is the review I hear (laughs) coming from people, and it's going to piss me off. Uh, I'm going to make that joke before you can, I guess, is what I'll say. Mm -hmm. Uh, Again, there's more... There's you more know, Top Gun Maverick had a dinosaur flying its planes. <laughs> <laughs> this episode has more at stake than simple <laughs> fake bets. But yeah, 38% score uh, on Rotten Tomatoes. That's and bad. Even, even more damning, Mike. It's a 38 meta score, which signifies... The, oh, I didn't see that. The people that are, are negative on it aren't just like a slight thumbs down. They despise it. They may actually despise it with that meta score. Celebrate good times. Come on. And why are you celebrating now? We got to put that into context. Guys, go listen to our Down the Well with Swell episode, our top 10 feared films. This is the second year, the second annual uh, episode we did with Amanda, where you went out on the limb saying this movie was going to underperform. Yeah, I, and I still think I'm going to end up being wrong. And that's, uh, let's get right into the. I mean, look, the, the type of reviews you're dealing with, and New York Post had an aggregation of reviewers and they quoted Jermaine Lussier and they quoted Thomas Lafley. Here's Thomas's review that she tweeted. Jurassic World Dominion is absolutely terrible. It's like a bunch of hot shots brainstormed dinocentric theme park rides and put them into a movie. Bugs are more prominent than dinosaurs. A misfire on all fronts with bankrupt ethics. Good God, Thomas. Save your heart. So you're right. Like The people that have seen this already don't just kind of dislike this movie. Like She's saying save your money. Don't go to the theaters. All right. Wow. Here's the over-under number. I put it at 370 million domestically, Oof. and I have it at a 1.02 billion worldwide box office. I did have it cracking 1 billion over or under Michael. Oh my God! So you're putting me in a tough spot because I'm also I'm also predispositioned not to love the movie because I really despise <laughs> Fallen Kingdom. I did, and I like the Jurassic Park series overall more than you, I would say. But you kind of laid down that line in that episode with Amanda as one billion and you you yep. made this whole Charlie Sheen if it winning. goes under one billion dollars I win was what I said you did yeah, yeah it was this whole Charlie Sheen speech which annoyed everybody <laughs> including me where you were like yeah one billion and instead of you know reading the research or going with any of the research you basically added 20k to the 1 billion dollar well, right, right. doubled it's, first down. of all it's 20 million it's not 20 000. 20 million 20 million. i added 20 million right. to it but, but there's a reason for it like i did use math in this and i was i i based i tried to predict an opening 
domestic number for each of these films except for one which I'll talk about and then I based the box office domestically off that and then I tried using math to predict the worldwide box office the I have the domestic box office being 36% of a worldwide box office Jurassic World's one domestic box office was 39%. Jurassic World's two domestic box office was 32% of its worldwide total. So I'm predicting this one to be in between those two numbers. It wouldn't surprise me if Jurassic World 3 continued that trend and it actually had a, a domestic box office that carried less than 30% of its worldwide total because we know the international markets love the heavy CGI and heavy, heavy VFX things and dinosaur movies sell well anyway. But I'm predicting this one goes in between those two. That's how I came up with 370 million is uh, about 36 percent of 1.02 billion. If you say so. But That's, I listen. I've tried to be as unbiased as possible. <laughs> it sounds suspiciously like <laughs> your old number. I can't help it if off the cuff and off the top of my head, I happen to be correct mathematically as well. All right. That's a burden. I feel like you almost slap the point two on there just to, but no, okay. You did, uh, you did have a lot of words to explain yourself, but let's be honest. This movie is opening in China and Russia and Mm -hmm. China is a substantial box office audience for the Jurassic world. Fallen kingdom made two sixty one, And we've also seen kind of the Chinese box office explode over the last few years where they've had some humongous hits in the, you know, four five, six hundred million dollar range, especially for Chinese hits in their own right. Chinese films that that is. So I could see this movie being a hit over there again. It's it's kind of like hard for us to analyze the international box office cumes, but I will compare Jurassic World to the Pirates of the Caribbean series, the critical Rotten Tomatoes number doesn't really have that much effect on it. It's the same for the Hobbit trilogy. It's not the same for the Fantastic Beasts. I think was it the- so low though? What I mean was thirty eight percent is bad. It's not so low. It's not so low. So that's why again, this is a good number because I find myself I find myself making the argument. Well, Jurassic fact. World 1 did 1.6 billion. Jurassic right. World 2 did 1.3 billion. So it has trended downward, at least from 1 to its sequel. But I think you add the fact that this is a trilogy, that you have legacy characters. Those are in the yep. favor of this film. Yep. And Agreed. you have the fact that I think the international box office is fairly consistent for some of these franchises. Mm-hmm. I mean, when you see a line of consistency that usually doesn't drop off, like the Hobbit trilogy only dipped a little bit and what the, part of you is just talking yourself into being on the outside where side I'm of you not right yeah yeah no yeah. it's okay. all, most of it most Good. of it okay. so uh, right. you could probably accuse me of the same things i just accused you <laughs> of doubling down on the opposite side of this so again yin yang here this was a simple way to describe it but i wonder if top gun maverick actually gives this movie a boost though mike in the, in so? the sense that in the sense that people just had a great time at the movies, we we know the cinema score for Top Gun Maverick. People loved it, and yep. not just I, I'm not just being Donald Trump right now when I say people loved it. <laughs> people, I hear from people. Uh-huh. No, I we know that the cinema scores are that high, and that uh, the, they're it's they're going back to it. We saw the Holt. After you have a good experience, that's good for overall business. You, pe- those same people may just come back and see the next big movie. In a way as well. So domestically, yeah, I agree. Domestically, that kind of props it up, even in a in a artificial way, perhaps. So this this film might make money it's not supposed to make, mm-hmm. 
And I think that's why some critics are kind of taking that stand like our beloved Thomas Laffley there and, and saying, don't go to see it, which is just, I love it. I love that. That's fun. So you're betting on the over. I'm betting on the over, but I'm not proud of myself. You're betting the under. I have to bet the under. Yeah. Yes, do you, you like do. how I, I even gave myself that $20 million of wiggle room? So even if it does go over a billion, I could still say I was right by betting the under here. I like how your brain characterizes it in that way. It's not even it's not even the math of a roulette wheel and like the non black or red square. Not even close. Twenty K, twenty million, doesn't matter. They're drops uh-huh. in the freaking bucket in uh-huh. terms of hedging. Yeah. Yeah. So maybe you I did like the actual live, math. I also there. like to live dangerously. No, I did the math. That's math. I didn't I tried not to I'm going under. I hope it doesn't well, do a billion. Here's another argument though in your favor. It's gonna be crowded. The box office is gonna be crowded and how much how much demand is there for this supply, even with good feeling and good experiences, like I said with the whole Top Gun crossover. And I said it last I don't I don't know that legacy characters matter in this franchise. Jurassic Park three, they did not. That one yeah. That one fell off a cliff, but that was also that was also a big deal that Spielberg backed out of it, and it was only sure. half. Like Jeff Goldblum wasn't involved, or I forget they had half the characters. They didn't have them all. They had Sam Neill back, but yeah, it kind of looked like a dud. Anyway, we got Lightyear, Mike. All right, so the three big things Lightyear coming to theaters June seventeenth. Number one, Toy Story owns the box office. If you account for inflation, speaking in terms of twenty twenty two dollars, here's what the Toy Story movies have done historically. Toy Story one seven hundred forty seven million dollars in terms of twenty twenty two money. Toy Story two eight hundred sixty two million in terms of twenty twenty two money. Toy Story three one point four one billion worldwide box office. Toy Story four one point two one billion. Again, those are all the monies if you account for inflation and in terms of twenty twenty two dollars. I feel like we learned a lot this episode in prepping for this because we've been debating when the studios are going to push their chips onto the table into you know the betting circle or whatever happens at a casino. <laughs> when were they going to go all in? Well, look at they are putting one of the most reliable brands in family entertainment mm-hmm. in a marquee spot in the same spot where it's done buku bucks in the past, and you're going to characterize it even more because it's a big change. And that they're putting this particular family Pixar film in theaters where they held some others back. Yeah, but. so Toy Story owns the box office. Number two is that Pixar owns the month of June. Yeah. From 2015 through 2019, Pixar released five movies in June. The median worldwide box office of which, this is not accounting for inflation, the median worldwide box office was Finding Dory's $1.028 billion, which mm. happened to also be co-directed by Lightyear director's Angus McLean. The median domestic box office, the median domestic box office of those five Pixar releases was Toy Story 4's $120 million. I like how you said directors, and then you mentioned one name. But here's the thing: if I, if I'm a director band in the future, you know, like the group that just did uh, Scream, what mm-hmm. is it? What, what are they called? Uh, Radio Silence, right? Directors Angus McLean. McLean could be a group. Angus McLean is a great name mm. for a group. So yeah, your your faux your your grammatical faux pas actually gave me like. My next rock band's going to be called Angus McLean. Unlike my gonna, first rock. You have rock. to have the guitarist from ACDC in it, Angus Young. <laughs> Perfect. Yeah, Perfect. Michael, 
that's a huge number in terms of a median 1.028 billion that finding dory number and that's there despite the fact that cars 3 was a bomb only made 383 back in the day mm-hmm. in one of those five films so four films were mega hits toy story 4 incredibles 2 inside out and finding dory mega hits upwards of a billion or close to it eight you know high 800s like inside out so yes you're right pixar has dominated june so toy story owns the box office pixar owns june what could possibly go wrong well Times have changed, as Professor Snape would say. Obviously. <laughs> have you been watching Harry Potter's? No, I haven't. I don't. I didn't even realize I had two Harry Potter references there. That's wild. No, I haven't. Huh. Watching a lot of TikTok. This is getting That's, into yeah. naked gun territory. <laughs> but, well, All right. Ahead. So a pandemic plus Disney Plus has put Pixar in unusual territory. They haven't had a movie which was a first-run theatrical exclusive since Onward, which was actually the last movie that the Mikes and I recorded a review of in person together back in March of 2020. Right. They put their big three movies on Disney Plus, mm-hmm. and we've seen other companies do well, and I think it's been a theme of our box office reviews right now to say, well, look, it, it's pandemic box office, but still we have families showing up for kids' movies, and we have horror movies fans still showing up for horror movies, and we have superhero fans. Like, we know that those movies are still playing at uh, National Theater Change. However, Sonic 2's box office, which is you know, close to 400 million and the bad guys international cume, which is putting that movie over 200 million that pales into in comparison to what we just saw Pixar do in the last five years in the month of June. Right. Mike, we have Disney plus being the home for those Pixar movies. And again, this was some, an argument we made in like month two of the pandemic. When you take 10 million subs at 14, $15, you probably only need eight months of continually being subscribed to Disney Plus to make that $1 billion threshold if that, in fact, drew you in. Again, that math is kind of simple in terms of the multiplier. So, uh, great point there. And streaming is where Disney has put the Pixar movies, like you said. And that's why, though. That's why, because it made them the money. Right. Lucas, Soul, and Turning Red all went to Disney Plus, and they were all critically acclaimed at worst and Oscar-winning at best, uh, but still, okay, let's take Lightyear. We're dealing with a return to theaters with a spin-off movie, no less, which usually, historically, results in a smaller box office return than the principal franchise does. Uh, mm. For example, Bumblebee did 77% of Transformers' The Last Night's box office. Solo did 29.5% of Episode 8's box office. Hobbs and Shaw did 61% of The Fate of the Furious's box office. Penguins of Madagascar did 50% of Madagascar 3. The lone exception, actually... Lately, in terms of a spin-off franchise out-earning its principal franchise's box office, ironically, was with the first Minions movie, which did 119% of Despicable Me 2's box office. This was really a wise rabbit hole to fall down, and I appreciate you for doing that. I had no nothing to do with this part because... Uh because I didn't think of it. So the spin-off nature of this is actually going to sway my argument in the end. So what is your over-under? Can you explain that? All right, so the over-under, and I misspoke before. I said Toy Story 4 had a $120 million domestic. That was its opening. That was the domestic right. opening for Toy Story 4. So I think this opening is might be close to that. I, I think it could approach nine digits. So anyway... The over-under I have at $330 million domestically, which I think is going to be a 3 to 4x opening, mm-hmm. uh, and I have it at $750 million worldwide. 
great number. I did have to think hard about this one. I was thinking more 675 myself, though, for a while, but you talked me up. So I was hoping you'd pick something around that. Then I could be optimistic and be happy. And <laughs> But no, I, you turned me into the cynical version of the mic, mics here. And, and I am worried about no China, even though yes. no China... China doesn't always. <laughs> I'm Harry Potter, and you're Donald Trump. This episode is where right. we're going. <laughs> so I'll certainly, I'll certainly root for Lightyear to go the over, and I'll, I'll be very encouraged if it does closer to a billion, like some of these other Pixar films. But that whole spinoff argument does give me pause. The fact that some of these trailers aren't playing all that well on me gives me some pause. And I just wonder how essential it is, how essential it is when I, th- I think people know that this movie's coming to Disney Plus, even if it's not this month, it's next month. That's a good point. That's, I also wonder about branch strength. I mean, is Buzz on his own strong yeah. enough without Woody in the gang? I don't know. And I'm also I'm also worried about this band of sidekicks. Are they fun enough? Like mm. they're kind of weird and zany and exasperating in the trailers. Which is there anyone be- memorable? The cat, I guess, is memorable. Is that Taika Waititi's voice? Man, I'm pretty I, sure I it don't is. even know. Could anyway, I, I, I'm I'm a little worried about this being the billion dollar tentpole, but I, I think it'll do well still. I'm gonna pick the under reluctantly, and I'm gonna say those reasons instead of the big fear that's kind of overwhelming my, my my prediction here, and that's you know, international fans or that's some American fans are going to see the same sex couple and they're going to just stay away from it. Well, that's that why that's, and that's the why theory as to why it was banned in China as well. Yeah. That's um, dismaying. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, 750 million worldwide. That's going to put it just over Madagascar three's worldwide box office, just under Shrek forever after's worldwide box office. I really like that number. I don't think this is an $800 million movie. I don't think it's going to get closer to a billion than that especially not, you know, lacking some of those big international markets. I do think it could approach nine digits as an opening, like I said. So then mm-hmm. if, you're, if you're taking 50% of the box office for the first two weekends, that's going to be, what, uh, 90 million, 135 million, and then another 22. So like a 150, that's like a 250, 275 domestic. I'll go under on both of those as well. We got to go under on, on Lightyear, unfortunately, but we'll, we'll root for it. Mike, the next big perhaps tentpole in in June, is Elvis coming out the 24th. Yeah, so some surprising stats here. The three big things for Elvis. $200 million budget makes it possibly, at least according to the research I was able to do, the second most expensive biopic of any kind of all time, according to Wikipedia, second only if you account for inflation on 1961's Cleopatra, which did $275 million in 2022 money, which was an abject disaster behind the scenes. Oh, my God. I cannot believe... (laughs) The budget is that high. I yeah. never I never even thought to look it up because you always just kind of assume budgets for these movies are around 40 to 50 million. Yeah. But a 200 million dollar budget and the aging effects for Elvis were shininess. And then that <laughs> is what we got for Tom Hanks, Jar Jar Hanks, an Elv- a shiny Elvis versus Jar Jar Hanks movie with a 200 million dollar budget. Yeah. Huh. Yeah. I don't know where the money went, but all right. Reason number, or big thing number two, I should say. $200 million budget. By my count, there have been exactly two musical biopics ever to gross more than $150 million domestically. 
Mm. One featured a very American group, which did about $40 million internationally. That's straight out of Compton. The other featured a very British group, which did about $700 million internationally, that being Bohemian Rhapsody. Thing number three. Elvis is arguably the most American musical act of all time. (laughs) He is, and... That does give me pause, and that has given a lot of uh, box office people pause, I would say. And you're right. It's just the two musical biopics, Bo Rap and Straight Outta Compton, that have done over the 150. Walk the Line did 119 back in 2005. Otherwise, when you click on the music list, and I love Box Office Mojo for having these lists, Mike. Mm. Star is Born, Pitch Perfect 2, The Bodyguard, Whitney Houston at the height of her stardom. You know, those movies made over $100 million, but not close to that uh, line of demarcation, like you said. So 150 is probably a good over-under that you're going to pick here. Yeah, that's the domestic over-under I landed on. $150 million. Do you think it's going to be the third musical biopic of all time to break that domestically? That's basically the choice I'm giving you. I, I can't see the international box office outpacing the American box office with this. So I did an exact 50-50 split. I said 150 domestically, $300 million for its worldwide box office. I could be completely off about that. Somewhere under the same moon, we actually came up with the same line. Look at that, huh? To perplex ourselves. Uh, Elvis and Maverick are going to draw in a lot of the same older viewers, and I wonder, in fact, if maybe, you know, the, the Jurassic World doesn't get the boost because of Top Gun Maverick. Elvis is like the next film that everybody wants to go back to the movies to see that saw Top Gun Maverick. I know that's the case with my parents and the chatter throughout all of these screenings of these movies. When I watch the Elvis trailer, it goes up, Mike, after that uh, after that trailer. And every, every movie I'm in, if I'm hearing buzz, I'm hearing it in the theater for Elvis. So I do think... I do think older audiences want to see this movie. I also am left, you know, thinking about the can reception and how the can audience loved it, whereas the can critics, not so much. So I'm not sure if the critical reception of Elvis is ultimately going to matter. But here's the thing. My brain says to pick the under because even when Baz Luhrmann had Leo, Leonardo DiCaprio as Gatsby, that only made 353 back in 2013. When we look at similar biopics, you have the the standout in Rap, but otherwise you have Rocketman, 195, and all these other huge names from James Brown, Judy Garland to Aretha Franklin, they didn't even surpass 50 million. You know what I was thinking along those lines is what would be the musical biopic where I could be like, I bet that's going to do huge. Because, I mean, you just said, like, me, I, the two names I came up with are the two most obvious ones, but like... Maybe the Rolling Stones, and I would think if there's an actual story of the Beatles where they got the casting right. But otherwise, I don't, you know, I don't know that the story of Elvis has legs at this generation. I don't and know. Adult either. dramas don't really do well right now at the box office. But I think this is going to be an adult spectacle. Yeah. So my brain has some caveats in, involved here, and I do read the room when I go into a movie theater, and, and I can't help it. I'm gonna go with my gut. And my optimism, and I'm going to be a sucker to the sharks here, I guess, Mm -hmm. and pick the over despite (laughs) my feelings that that this is is probably a good number and this is probably an under. Are you going to stay with your head here or are you going to go? Well, I'm I'm going based off history. You brought up the Boz Lerman 
track record. He's never had a movie that opened better than $62.5 million domestically, nor had one that grossed more than $438 million worldwide. And both of those were from The Great Gatsby, if you account for inflation. Those weren't those numbers at the time in 2013 when that movie opened. I think playing Can is smart. I think mm-hmm. trying to get some international hype going for this movie is smart. Yeah. I think positioning Tom Hanks as the main character, as the trailers have done, is smart. <sighs> Straight Outta Compton opened over $60 million domestically. Bohemian Rhapsody opened $51 million domestically. I think we're probably in that range with this movie. I could see it being like a $50, 55000000 million opening here. <sighs> It's a tough number. It's a good it is. number. It, I, good I, I am going to, like, it has, the biggest hang-up for me, like, I want to pick under, but the biggest hang-up for me is that it doesn't really have, it's got two weeks with little to no box office competition. Yeah. Minions doesn't come out till July 1st. Thor doesn't come out till July 8th. So it's going to have a two-week run where it can basically claim the theaters for itself. I just, part of that two-week run is going to be an opening that we know is going to probably not break $60 million. So I, I'll pick under and stick with it just based on history and precedent. I am guessing that the international box office is a little stronger. So if I am using my head. I think you're right. I think you're right. But I, I, I don't know. I don't know either. But I do wonder if documentaries like I've seen in the past, like you had, you had this documentary at Tribeca a year ago, and I'm gonna, about to enjoy some Tribeca this year. But there was this, it was about super fans in Europe. One was a super fan of Princess Diana. Another was a super fan of Elvis, and another one was a super fan of the post uh, of the Pope. Excuse me, of the Pope. Yeah. Do you have these super fans throughout the world of Elvis, even though he didn't quote unquote tour worldwide back in the day, and he was really only an American, you know, artist in terms of his tours? I do wonder if you have those super fans everywhere, and if those super fans have passed down the love of Elvis and the. I wonder. I wonder if the Americana of Top Gun Maverick is a bit infectious this summer and maybe international audiences want to see Elvis. I wonder if Austin Butler is just too hot not to want to go see him in the in you know, he's a star in the making. I don't know. Still, what's this what's that movie gotta do to make money? Five hundred and fifty million, six hundred million? I don't think it's gonna do that. That's another thing giving me pause. Like, is it gonna be a flop? It's almost unfair. It's almost flop proof. It's gonna be. It's gonna make money. So there's got to be a on a two hundred million dollar budget. If they they have to know it's gonna make. They wouldn't put that budget. I mean, I get it. It's Baz Luhrmann. He gets big budgets, but they wouldn't put that kind of budget in in, in a movie here that they thought was gonna flop. They have to have some tracking that Elvis is the right time to put all the chips in the musical biopic basket. But you're right to say that this is a, a genre that is more in its infancy than we give it credit. I mean, there's so many parodies out there, Mike, but there's actually not a lot of huge box office tentpoles in the genre. Uh, not at all. Well, speaking of a box office tentpole, let's talk about Minions, The Rise of Gru, July 1st, which I have learned in watching the NBA Finals, I will laugh at any preview of. <laughs> I, I can't. I, I have to good. see this movie. Yeah. All right. The three big things with Minions: the rise of Gru. One, this franchise has had a rising worldwide box office and domestic opening with each entry, save as mentioned previously, where it's been the rare case that the spinoff entry outgained the main IP's latter and latest entry, as Minions one from 2015 outgrossed Despicable Me 3's worldwide box office from 2017. Mm. Two. 
The last two entries of Minions 1 and Despicable Me 3 have each been summer releases, which grossed over a billion dollars worldwide. And three, those same last two entries of Minions 1 and Despicable Me 3 have each had an MCU release debut during its second weekend in theaters. So Thor, which is releasing during Minions The Rise of Gru's second weekend in theaters this year, probably won't rock the boat too much in terms of box office for this movie. So... It's counter-programming, but it doesn't matter. It's It's been strategic. So what, what do you have as an over-under here? It's, it's It should be higher than, I think, what you've written down. I went conservative for two reasons. One... They can't all be overs. Like I'm, I'm some movie is gonna is gonna not do well at the box You're office. You're such a gambler. What do you mean they can't? Be <laughs> they can't. Like I don't think the box office is rearing in a thousand percent back and ready to go. So I picked yeah. the one that. Yeah has a track record of success in China and I know you're going to you're going to hone in on that this movie's banned in China but it has a despicable me entry which did over 130 million dollars at the Chinese box office not too long ago that's not going to be present for this movie so the over under for this movie I went with is 325 million domestically and 900 million dollars worldwide I didn't look up all the despicable me numbers in China I did look up minions which only made 68 million yes. in china so when i when you factor that in the other ones i'm sorry well, it was 158 million that uh despicable me i think it was two did in china i can't believe you're jumping on the swell bandwagon and despising these silly creatures even though you love the trailer so you're going against your own gut by saying it's yes. gonna underperform i do wonder what Thor Love and Thunder's cross appeal is. I do too. And I think if you're hugely bullish on Thor Love and Thunder, maybe you could say that the overall competition at a box office where maybe the demand is not equal to the supply, you can you got to pick under on one of these, and I get that. But I'm a sucker, I guess. I'm picking the over on Minions. I think you're going to be case. right. And this this IP has incredible strength. Do you know not a single Minions a movie with Minions in it? I'll say has opened without a one hundred million dollar domestic movie opening in its second weekend. It's been up against Inception, Grown Ups two, I think, and then the two MCU movies. It's gonna make a ton of money. It's one of the biggest again the biggest brands. They saved the biggest brands till now. The Hollywood cinematic production elites they've saved their best till now you got a 200 million dollar musical biopic you got this these two fail safe kids films you got jurassic world which has been very steady i I think they expect big bucks from this and yeah i'm gonna go the over on 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 900 million have to I might still go over. There are two other animated films that are debuting in July, Pause of Fury and DC Super Pets, that could harm the, you know, uh, return, oh, yeah. the revisit box office there. And $158.1 million in the Chinese box office was for Despicable Me 3, which is the most recent film in this Minions franchise here. Uh, that's not going to be available here for uh, Minions The Rise of Gru. I, I, I'm going to see this movie. I, I want it to be a billion-dollar <laughs> movie. Uh, 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 yeah, all right, I'll say over. So, all right, let me push you. How far would you go? 950? You still saying over? I'll give it a billion. You'll give it a billion. So that's that's your 999. I won't, I won't go over a billion. 
Wow. Thor, Love, and Thunder. I think in, in another world, maybe you'd have to, you'd have, you could say confidently that they're both not going to go over. But in this world, can you say the same, Mike? What do you think about Thor, Love, and Thunder's July 8th release? The three big things. Thor's domestic and worldwide box offices have gone up with each Thor movie entry. Number two, Marvel movies are the one truly bankable theatrical experience going. They are pretty much everything proof. And number three, especially when those movies rely on nostalgia or previously established characters from other franchises like we know will be present here with Thor. So if it's going to go up from Thor Ragnarok, it's got to be $853 million. If it's going to be your bona fide summer July 4th offering, it's probably going to beat Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness's $900 million, no? So what the hell did you put for the over-under? You had to put something huge. I did for both of those numbers. The over-under domestically I put at $400 million. The uh. over-under for the worldwide box office I have at $1.14 billion. Oh, this is a tough line. This is a great line. This is one of your better ones. Thank you. I'm going to go over on it, but it, it's making it's stretching me. And for all the reasons we've mentioned already, Marvel being such such a go-to, and like I said, I think it's going to do well over Doctor Strange. I think there's also the factor that women are going to flock to this movie because you have, thank mm. God, you have representation in this film. Good uh, point. And you have a movie that's seemingly marketed to women on multiple levels with, you know, Tessa Thompson being as strong a player as she is. And, of course, the the money shot of the trailer with the the first trailer anyway with Natalie Pointman and, you know, taking on the mighty Thor, the role of the mighty Thor. And then, yeah, for for other women, I think Chris Hemsworth's bare butt is going to be a draw. (laughs) Why not? (laughs) Uh, A couple things worth noting. The $400 million domestically, that would only be a 27% increase over Thor 3's domestic box office. One Thor 1 to Thor 2 had about a 14% jump between box offices. Thor 2 to Thor 3 was a 53% increase. Uh, 3 was 53% higher than 2's box office. You take the, I mean, 27% is what I'm saying that Thor 4 is going to go up from Thor 3. That's less than the average of the two jumps from 1 to 2 and 2 to 3 that have already happened. So if anything, I think I might be underestimating it domestically. Yeah, I I tend to think it's going to be over, and if it goes over, it it might be well over. So maybe, yeah, maybe your number's not that smart. Maybe you're not that smart after all. No, Uh, I'm going to live on the compliment and just keep going for it. Obviously, Disney is behind this 100%. If you've watched any of the NBA Finals, there's in-world ads every halftime, every commercial break of Taika Waititi and Chris Hemsworth and Tessa Thompson sitting there interacting with Tyler Hero and Kevin Love and all these other people. So, yeah, they obviously do expect a massive return. The marketing has been awesome. It's been fun. It's been, I can't wait. I can't wait to see it myself. I'm hyped up to see it. Thor Love and Thunder has got me from the Comic-Con release through the NBA Finals marketing. And they're marketing it to to guys as well. I think this is a cross, a four-quadrant type of movie. Does that take away from Minions? Or does Minions take away from this? Is it too crowded is my one worry, I would say, to, to, to think that it could go down. Do you want to bring your children to risk being indoctrinated by Chris Pratt being on screen? That's a well, Guardians of the Galaxy being in the movie too. This is Civil War too. This is Civil War in space. This movie. Well, this is a space war. Space war. 
Yeah. But this is like you don't have Hulk involved. Like Hulk, I think made it made a big difference. The fact that he was in Gladiator gear in the last movie, but that was mostly you know garnered to guys. I would say the last film, right? That was predominantly marketed yeah, to to think. dudes. This movie is a it's a different scenario. Whereas I think some of these Spider-Man films are marketed to all audiences, men and women, etc. I think we have a film that could be a four quadrant, and they know that. That's why it's coming out in this marquee release date spot. Yeah, I no. I think you're right. I think it's. I think I'm going to go over as well. I, I don't want to go over on all these. I don't think the box office is a thousand percent back to normal, and that's what this is suggesting. Well, th- th- again, this, these are your numbers. Like you could have picked higher numbers. I know. I know. <laughs> so instead of questioning yourself and your numbers, you're questioning the box office. <laughs> Mike, we have Nope. Nope is coming out July 22nd. Uh, Three big things. Number one, Us and Get Out had massively varied opening weekends. Us's opening was 71 million, actually the second highest opening ever for an original live action film. Uh, Get Out's opening was 33 million. Hmm. Number two, both movies ended up at exactly $255 million worldwide box office. Little peculiar there. And number three, this movie has been marketed far less than either of those first two Peel offerings thus far. I would not count on that continuing soon. Yeah, they just released the character posters, uh, and they're, they're probably going to ramp it up. You're yeah, we, right. uh, we are recording this on the 9th. The final trailer was released, I think, at 3 a.m. today on the 9th, June 9th. Right. Uh, the over-unders, I have $205 million domestically with a $75 million opening. Two hundred ninety-five million worldwide. I'm basically saying, do you think Jordan Peele crosses three hundred million dollars worldwide? It's tough to get people in theaters for original properties. I like your number because it's taking into account an international expanded expansion for Jordan Peele. However, it's not it's not going bullish mm-hmm. on his international appeal. So I had a hard time with this number, this two ninety-five. I thought 300, again, under the same moon, I was like, 300 for me is probably where I'm looking at this movie. So it's a tough number. Now, this genre, this overall genre, when put into a horror movie, like when you talk about alien invasions or flying saucers or... Is that what this is? Are we sure? I don't know. Is it a horse invasion movie? It might be. We don't know for sure. You're right in that regard. But if it is an alien invasion, signs... 404 a quiet place the first one 340 now a quiet place was kind of marketed as like a creature feature real mm-hmm. hard horror signs had the filmmaker the, the you know the auteur factor with m mm-hmm. night at that point kind of the peak of his powers what are people what are audiences thinking of jordan peele after us were they satiated did they love us as a viewing experience i do wonder about that because i remember critics being high on it but were audiences quite as high on us we covered the hell out of it we were we respected the hell out of it but we're also kind of more in the critics pundits barrel than the full audience it was a weird film to get your hands around us yeah i feel like it was polarizing thinking back on it i wonder what that does for this all that being said you're probably right with the 295 i'm i'm picking I'm picking the over because I think this has more international appeal and I think a really cool, fun, crazy, weird, again, marketing more than anything with a big name director attached. 
I think a movie like that made about this flying saucer subject matter is probably going to be the over for me on the international gross, which is why I think it'll do what it's going to do domestically. We know that it's the, it's in a good time, a good place, mm. kind of middle of the summer. People want to see that they're going to be starved for a horror film since the black phone coming out at the end of June. So yep. you got a whole month between, between that. I think it's a, it's good counter programming to Thor love and thunder. It's kind of this edgy, awesome, potentially scary premise that could also be satirical that people could be ready for at the end of the summer. So I think that there's a lot of meat on the bone there. I think it's going to go over 295. How much over? I don't know. A couple things of note worth, uh, worth talking about in terms of the marketing of this movie, get out's first trailer debuted at the beginning of October, 2016, about four months prior to its uh, film debut date. Us's first trailer dropped on Christmas day, 2018, Again, about four months prior to its debut in theaters, maybe three months. Uh, Nope's first trailer debuted during this year's Super Bowl, which was Mm. eight months prior to the film's debut date. Wow. It's expected to have the highest peel budget, and considering the differences in production budget and marketing budget for his first two films, this movie could feasibly have a nine-digit advertising support behind it from Universal. Because yeah. Get Out had about a $30 million marketing budget, if you believe what's in the trades. Uh, Us had about a $77 million marketing budget, if you believe what's in the trades. So just based on projection from those two movies, or one next to the other, you would think this is going to be at least $80 million worth of marketing behind it. I expect you're going to see banners for Nope everywhere come the end of this month. I've loved the marketing too, Mike. Can I just say that? Yeah. I've loved the marketing, and I think the marketing is fairly consistent in the sense that we're not we're not seeing them stretch to other scenes and giveaways and spoilers, and they're marketing basically the same stuff. They're marketing the same shots we saw from the same trailers. They're just doing it in, in different cut-ups and different montages. So I do think that's a strength to this. They know they got the goods, or better yet, they know the marketing is working. They're getting eyes on the marketing. So that makes me think that they're they're feeding a, a moneymaker here. You know, if they're putting that much marketing into it, they, they know something. I'm I'm hoping you're right, and I, I had kind of the same line of thinking that if they're that's how much they're feeding the beast here, they're gonna th- expect a return on it. And Universal already is the home of uh the highest animated original animated opening of all time with the secret life of pets one they want to be i mean they're very cognizant of the highest live action original movie ever which obviously avatar still owns with its 77 million dollar and us got close to with its 71 million dollar debut i don't think this movie beats that 77 million dollar opening mark but i'll say say over all the same uh and the China not playing in China doesn't really matter because if at least if you go by box office mojo, neither get out nor us played in China anyway. Hmm. Yeah. I, I don't think China affects it. I think, uh, I think it's going to do well in Europe. And I wonder if, uh, I wonder if the domestic box office will be even better than we think. Based I, on again. Yeah. yeah I, I, that's what I think I might've undersold it as well. I, have I gone under on anything yet? Elvis, just Elvis. Yeah. But these are your numbers. You neg the numbers, mm. knucklehead. No, 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 no. But the numbers are what they are. I'm, I'm not in control of the numbers. Somebody <laughs> speaks through me. I'm just a, a vessel. You did that for these movies until now, but what, what are you picking? Are you picking the under for, for, for Nope? I'll pick the over. Yeah. Yeah. I, I agree with you. All right. 
we had just kind of a puzzling situation with this film. We haven't been further apart on anything up till now. DC League of Super Pets. This could potentially be a new animated franchise. The fact that they're basically doing the secret life of pets with Marvel superhero pets, like you have the Batman's dog or Superman's cat. I forget who's in this trailer, but I remember us both liking the trailer. I remember saying Superman's to you, dog, yeah, played by this The is Rock. A funny trailer. On July 29th, right? So what are the three big things? <laughs> I, I don't know. Uh, I, one, I have no idea what to compare this to. Maybe Teen Titans go to the movies. Or yeah. two, maybe Secret Life of Pets, which, like I just said, is the biggest original animated opening of all time and ended up grossing almost $900 million at the box office worldwide. And number three, help me. I have no I, I don't I have no clue what to do for this. So Teen Titans could make some sense. The Lego Batman movie is probably something closer where that did 175 and 136 for a 312 worldwide cube back But in Batman was a main character in that. This seems like Superman's being relegated to the damsel in distress. Yeah, but it's Batman's dog, Mike. Is that just too cute for people to ignore? <laughs> is is this is this going to be a film where DC fans are going to be happy in, in, in kind of a drought of DC properties to take no, their kids it's, to? No, DC fans are going to want the Zack Snyder cut of this movie where it's a gritty reboot and the dog like dies at the end. I, I'm probably I'm probably afraid of analyzing DC fans <laughs> at this point, so I might agree with you. I don't know. You were thinking more of around $200 million as an over-under. I was thinking more of around $500 million as an over-under. I actually averaged- I understand why you think that. I averaged the Secret Lights of Pets, those two movies, and Lego Batman, to, and that averages out to 539, but I think we're very far apart, so we probably have to come back to and maybe do it on the fly. What What is an over-under that you would actually you would actually get paused on is it's 340 too high am i did i talk i was thinking 200 200 worldwide not even i mean because i I do think this is going to be i mean like my gut reaction anyway is that this is going to be more like teen titans go to the movies which i think was like 50 million dollars worldwide it was a 10 million dollar budget i think the budget for this one at least is rumored to be in the 20 million dollar range so i i I don't know that this is expected to be a big money maker it's kind of being released in a dead time it reminds me god Here's a question. Do you think the audience for DC is older? Do you think they they are they're trying to generate a younger audience for Superman and Batman? And this is how yeah, they do that? I, I mean, I so think that's part of the WB. idea. Yeah, I think that's definitely part of the idea of this without question. Because you don't see Marvel necessarily doing kids movies. They're kind of just four quadrant movies that bring kids to to many they, of them, not all of them, but Marvel also already did their kids movies in their 90s cartoon shows, you know? That they yeah. hooked us all in already. Well, DC has a bunch of that. They have a bunch they of do. that on uh Batman on HBO Max right that, now. Yeah. yeah. That's true. That's true. I wonder. I I genuinely wonder if this is a big player. Here's where I'm biased. I'm biased because the marketing has been fun and I want to see it. So how could you want to see this more than Minions? I definitely want to see this more than Minions. They had a halftime conversation last night, the Minions, where they were talking about the goat. Who's the goat in basketball? And one guy said Michael Jordan and one guy said Kareem and one guy said LeBron. And the three of them started fighting. None of None of them said any of those words. They just went. No, no, no. <laughs> they, they they say Michael Jordan. Like it was like oh, that. Did you have subtitles? You have the subtitles fourth, or no? Mike, the fourth one brought out a goat, <laughs> and he said, "This is the goat." 
Why? But why killed does it me. have to be? Fucking killed me. <laughs> it's funny. It's funny. He was so passionate and sincere. So you're way under. All right. So if I if I came up with 340, which was probably the number I was, I was getting towards, you're under. And um, uh, you're talking me into the under, but under. See? On three... You see, it's not fun betting unders, is it? All right. I'll bet <laughs> even the in under. these fake fake practices, these fake well, exercises. If I was going to average those three numbers together, I was thinking of going over and just doubling down because it's fun to bet the overs. But you're probably right. I I would have been talked down under 539. Under 340, you're even talking me under that. Uh, this is no fun, though. All right, Bullet Train. <laughs> Bullet Train, which is opening August 5th, the three big things. This movie's already gotten a lot of marketing, which Lots. is kind of jarring for a movie that has another two months until its debut, especially when you compare it to something that's a little over one month out right now, like Nope. Uh, number two, this was already moved around the calendar a bit. It was originally set for April of this year, then July of this year, before it finally settled on that August 5th release date. Three, that August 5th release date gives it no competition Basically all month long, as far as tentpole films go, the August slate for theaters has something called Secret Headquarters, starring Owen Wilson, Bodies, 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 and Idris Elba fights a lion. And that's that's really it. I mean, you have Sylvester Stallone at the end of the month doing this old retired superhero movie, but... Th- and you don't, you don't mean Tilda Swinton's playing a lion. No, I don't mean to know. Tilda Swinton, not a lion in that movie, Beast. No. Although she is a hell of an actor, so maybe. Maybe. Maybe she's the voice of the lion. No, she's not. Uh, look, recent Brad Pitt movies have done 127 at Astra, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. That's a Tarantino movie, probably more than it's a Brad Pitt movie. And it's, it's whatever, 374. Both really worldwide well. numbers, yeah. Allied 119 back in 2016. That was a bust, and it still made decent money. The Big Short 133 again, kind of a ensemble. Fury is probably the last movie where this is like, you know, Ad Astra and Fury. Those are like Brad Pitt is carrying this movie. It's a movie star movie for Brad Pitt. Fury did 211 million back in 2014. So if you take that into consideration with, you know, the late August movies where you have anything from Mission Impossible, Fallout, and Hobbs and Shaw doing 700s to the Meg and Dunkirk doing 500s to Jason Bourne doing 400. This is perhaps one of the more difficult over-unders that you had to come up with, Mike. But go ahead. So the over-under I came up with was 120 domestically and 405 worldwide. I think those are both going to sound high, but there's no competition at the box office. If this, There may not be a movie we talk about today that has a has more tied into how it premieres and debuts with than this movie because if this movie starts hot people are going to go to the want to go to the theaters that's all that's going to be playing yeah well i mean you're going to have nope still playing maybe that's maybe that's a sign for and why it's we fourth or fifth weekend yeah i mean you'll you'll be able you know it'll it'll do what it does but if you want a new movie if you know for the crowd that's already seen nope if they're borderline on this movie do they it's good word of mouth do they feel like the tracking is up at Apple because Apple just picked Brad Pitt's Formula One film and, and bought that for big money? Or is that a Top Gun, a function of Top Gun? I Interesting. Are movie I, I, stars I also, a thing again? That's the question. Well, are, are mid-50s movies movie stars a thing again? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Are, are this, are the, what, is, what is old is new again? Is 60 the new 40 uh, yeah. for white men? I do. <laughs> that generation just not letting go. I do... 
I think this is going to play better internationally too than it will. I mean, it's based off an international novel, but an assassin story. It's a closed quarter. It's reminiscent. It's got like action scenes that are reminiscent of the raid, and that you're like you're in tight quarters there, and you got to fight your way out. It looks cool. It looks like people want to see it. It's another movie that I would say the buzz in every theater I've been in on my AMC A list is strong for it, and you you see it marketed like crazy everywhere. So again, they're probably not throwing good money after bad, right? Sony tends to know what they're doing, right? Sony tends to know what they're doing. Maybe that's what we should have researched here. We should have researched Sony on their action movies. They don't make too many movies, Sony. They make enough, and they typically perform. So maybe maybe it is the the Once Upon a Time in Hollywood number that's actually going to be in play here for a Brad Pitt cool-ass action movie. It's kind of what I was banking on. I mean, obviously, Sony was the distributor of Once Upon a Time in Hollywood as well after the bidding process for Tarantino. Uh, what, are you, what are you doing? 120 and 400 or 405? I say that's a little high for me. I was thinking 300 to 400 somewhere in there, so I'm going to go under on 405 to stick to my copy that I wrote, you know, before. So I'll, I'll say under, but I, I do think, I mean, there's potential that this movie is marketed to an international crowd where I think, you know, it's it's obviously in Europe, right? I mean, it's, it's, mm. not, it, or it's in Japan. Excuse me, I'm yeah. an idiot. So, yeah, but it, you have a whole ensemble of diverse movie stars that he has to fight, which is cool. I'll see it. I know that. I, I think I'm going to, I might go over on this. Yeah. I, I don't blame that, you. Yeah. I think we've agreed too much anyway. Good. But, uh, let's wrap up here. The 10th film, 3000 years of longing, Michael, your favorite <laughs> coming out August 31st. Recent George Miller, recent genie films. How the <laughs> hell did you come up with three big things on this? Please. What did you, what do you have? So the three big things I landed on MGM's returns have not been stellar with the adult dramas lately. Licorice Pizza, Flag Day, Respect are some examples of this. Is this an adult drama, though? What? It's a genie <laughs> and Tilda Swinton, and the trailer's bizarre, and then everybody's saying like the pacing of the trailer's way too fast, because when you actually see the movie, because everybody saw it and can, when you actually see the movie, it's a fairly restrained film. This is an adult drama right now, as far as Nope is an alien invasion movie. Maybe, maybe, maybe not. We don't know from what, what we getting. know about. Right, we from what we get... know about these, that's the only way we can classify them. Jordan um, Peele may have a banger on our hands. We don't know. Right. Number two, it's got. You said it. I mean, people have seen this at Cannes already. It's got a middling Rotten Tomato score with a okay canned reception for a movie that's poised to be an Oscars player. And so, number three. Convince me that this isn't this year's House of Gucci. And maybe oh. that's the comparison box office wise. That is a fun comparison. And that might be a fun movie going experience for you and I. I could see you and the two of us having fun with this movie. I could see our expectations thinking, no, it's not going to be Aladdin. And, and no, it's not going to be Jim Jarmusch's Only Lovers Left Alive. And certainly it's not going to be Mad Max Fury Road. So. Right. What is this movie? It's probably not 375 for Fury Road. It's prob it's probably not it's certainly not the billion dollar Aladdin box office. So is it more towards like the Angel Has Fallen, Crazy Rich Rich Asians, late August cumes of whatever, one fifty to two fifty? 
what, what do you have as an over under for once? Or what, what, what the hell is this movie called? 3000 years of life. <laughs> I went way down, way low. I have oh. 35 million domestically and a hundred million dollars worldwide. Why would you do that to me? Because I said 120, <laughs> question mark. Oh, did I'm, you? I didn't even see that. And I'm probably biased oh, you did. on wow. the under. And I wrote it ahead of yours. And yeah, you, you still did. Wrote, I, I, did not, I did not see that. This is a $60 million budget. So you're probably in the ballpark. They're expecting 180 to, to make money, right? 100. It's, it's you're such a niche movie. You're predicting a flop. I'm... I'm predicting the over. You forced me to pick the over for a movie wow. that I have my. You're, but this is this is why these numbers. There's more to them. You're negging me on. This. No, I'm. I, I honest to God, I'm just. I. I. That's just. It's a niche movie, man. It's very niche, and it's not like a hot festival property right now that I hear a lot of. Like, there's. Oh, I can't wait to three thousand years of longing comes out. It's a. It's a strange one, but the marketing has played well. I wonder. I'll you know, go under. Key, I'm going to go under. Oh, my God. You're really negative on this. Yeah. So you, uh, this is I, the no, flop I, I'm of the not negative. I think it'll be a good movie. I think it'll be a... Uh, and it could compete for a couple awards. I just don't... Who the hell's the audience for this? Wow. So this is what... This is going to be another Northman-level disappointment for a lot of people because it's going to be a movie that a lot of people like, especially on film Twitter, but really underperforms. And then the you're going to have a rattled George Miller? Is that possible? Again, I'm taking Robert Eggers' quotes and I'm applying them here. I don't know if I should. Because that's a flop. That is like, we're not so sure you should make another movie for us kind of flop. $60 million. Uh, Have we not seen that from... I'm not trying to talk disparagingly about the man. And Furiosa, I think, is going to be... But, like, it's we haven't not seen that from George Miller before, have we? I don't know. I got to look back at his CV, but... Lorenzo Zoyle, that was <laughs> a big hit. We had Witches of East. I mean, he had Happy Feet. The guy did Happy Feet did for happy a while. Feet. Yeah, he did. To, That's to true. the point where they're like, "Oh yeah, we'll go back in on Mad Max. Let's resurrect Mad Max." And it, it was a huge hit. And obviously, the Mad Max franchise. I don't, I don't know the box office history of Mad Max, but I think it did fairly well. They made however many of them, right? At least four, three, four. He directed the Babe sequel. Babe sequel. They put the Babe sequel in this guy's hands after Babe was a huge hit. <laughs> he wrote and directed Babe Pig in the City. You're, what you're a over CV. Unders. You're over unders way too low there. I Maybe. It, it, you know, I would not be surprised. Well, I also fan. was very tired by the time I got to this yeah, movie. Yeah, <laughs> all right. So that, that makes sense. All right. Can we do some rapid fire questions sure. if you're not too tired? Because I do want to hit on more than just the tent poles. We have a head-to-head-to-head proposition in terms of matchups. Which of these three films, and we just got three trios, Michael, which of these three films will make the most money worldwide? All right. Trio number one. You ready? Mm-hmm. The Black Phone coming out on June 24th. The Black Phone versus Bodies, Bodies, Bodies. Coming out August 5th versus a third horror movie of the summer, Smile, which just released a trailer, a creepy one. Smile is coming out on August 30th. Black Phone, Bodies, 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 Smile, which makes the most? Bodies, Bodies, Bodies. I trust A24 most. Uh, murder mysteries tend to do well. And it's again, it's in that same box office era that uh, Bullet Train is. If, if it can get positive word of mouth, it could surprise at the box office. There's nothing coming out in August. 
I'm rooting for you to be right about bodies, bodies, bodies. I am wondering if I'm going to be right because the black phone has already gotten really good reviews. That's uh, I think it's between those two. I don't know about smile that much. And if we're both wrong and smile is the big hit, I'm going to be scared because that trailer freaked me the hell out. (laughs) So I'm picking the black phone. You're picking bodies, bodies, bodies. Okay. The next trio is a bit of eclectic, but we have Marcel the shell with shoes on June 24th. Marcel the shell with shoes on. Mr. Malcolm's List, July 1st, and Mrs. Harris Goes to Paris that you'll be seeing. You'll be taking my mother to see. I, I will, really appreciate you doing that I for me, by the way. I not be caught dead in that in Mrs. Harris Goes to Paris. I could not I believe that's a don't movie. like the trailer. She is just aggravating in that trailer, isn't she? <laughs> July 5th. I, I, couldn't, I didn't have the heart to tell my mother. I guess I am now on the podcast because she listens. Uh, she but, should, Leslie Manville should play her character from Phantom Thread in that movie. I would appreciate that, that she would stick to character, stay in character. That would be funnier. But no, she's like this big getting in everybody's face maid with a Cockney accent or I, I don't know accents. Marcel the Shell with Shoes on, Mr. Malcolm's List, which looks like Bridgerton, the movie from, you know, uh, from from Bleecker Street. Now, Bleecker Street doesn't always get these huge summer tentpole hits, but this is like an indie three, I would say. Focus features A24, Bleecker Street. Mr. Malcolm's List, I posted the trailer, but I didn't watch the trailer. Are you, you, you clicked on the trailer right now? I'm looking at it. I did not watch it previously. It's a period piece thing that looks like i want oh oh mike do you know what previews at the start of mr malcolm's list what it's a 15 second ad for minions rise of Gru. <laughs> so you're going with mr malcolm's list then <laughs> I, I should i'm gonna go with marcel the shell i don't know that's probably too niche to get a big box office but a24 has been picking adorable. them lately yeah it, it's, it's adorable. adorable mrs harris goes to paris will be my pick also mom you. How dare you? Also, Mom has a movie buddy and Mike won here. <laughs> I don't want to see it. You're going to have to take her. I'm not going to it. <laughs> All right. Trio number three. So we both picked two different movies. Trio number three. We have Where the Crawdads Sing, which I think is a big, big budget with a... What's her name? Edgar Jones? Daisy Edgar Jones? Daisy Edgar Jones. She's the star of Where the Crawdads Sing. Is it Gone Girl or is it just terrible i it's don't a know billboard for the taylor swift song i'll tell you that it is so that that's a factor we have beast which is idris elba versus lion fighting Tilda swinton yep. august 19th and then i didn't even look up what the hell this movie's about but it's sylvester stallone that's the so he plays a superhero that's gone into hiding samaritan that, yeah that some kid finds and he's like forced back into one more superhero type thing Oh my God, that sounds great. Yeah, that, that's easily my pick. <laughs> that sounds great. Why didn't you tell me? <laughs> I did. I actually did before, previously in the episode. I picked Beast, but I I, I want to pick Samaritan now. I, look, I mean, we've seen like, uh, what was the movie at the Crocodiles? Here we go, at the end of the episode. What was that movie with the girl and the crocodile? She was a University of Florida swimmer. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Um, and it was... It was girl Tarantino's versus, like favorite movie of the year too. I know girl, what you're talking about. Just girl versus crocodile. Neither one of us knows girl it. Girl versus crocodile. It was awesome. Make and, a studio executives. And look, Idris Elba versus Lion could be awesome. So protecting his two daughters too, right? That's the premise of that. Yeah, isn't it? His two daughters in that movie. I think so. Yeah, so think my so. pick for 
flop of the summer is where the crawdads sing. That looks awful. I can't I don't believe that's got it. that big of a budget behind it. Yeah, I don't want to see it. 60 million or 70 so, million? Yeah. So, look, I'm picking Beast, and I think for a last-ditch, you're picking Samaritan, for a last-ditch question here, of your three winners, what's going to make the most money worldwide? You have Bodies, 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 you have Marcel Shell, and you have Samaritan. What are you picking? I think Bodies, Bodies, Bodies could legitimately make, like, I don't know, 40 hmm. million, 30 million. When you're a fan of something, you're a little, you, you know, you're a little bullish. I'm a little biased, op- biased, optimistic. biased. <laughs> you're bi- Yeah. So, wow, not so objective, I would say. No, maybe it is. I'm rooting for you to be right. I have the black phone, Mrs. Harris goes to Paris, and Beast. What the hell am I picking? I'm picking the black phone. I, I'm sorry, I wrote it what down. A, what a collection of movies you picked, too. <laughs> wow. Sinister made $85 million. The Black Phone is probably going to be like a $100 million hit if it's Candyman level. Ethan Hawke. You think $100 million, huh? I, I could feel it around that. But if, if it's around that, it's probably more than anything else we have listed. Yeah, I, I would agree. Yeah, if it does $100 million, sure. But Bodies, Bodies, Bodies is something you think is going to make $100 million. Or you think, oh, no, I don't think, no, I don't think $100 million. I think like $40 million, like 40 to 50 I don't think, oh my God, I don't we think are, we're dealing with Anything. We are wildly apart on these lists. I mean, I, the Crawdad thing, I think, has a big budget. That So did John Carter. <laughs> and Mars Needs Moms. <laughs> that doesn't mean anything. <laughs> Maybe not. Maybe not. The El- Elvis fans, beware. <laughs> In that case, 3,000 years of longing. Fans, you're on notice. Better go see it. Better take people. As always, dear listener, we want to hear your overs and unders or tell me and yell at me as to why my lines are so misguided and way off. You can leave us all those as well as any other thoughts, comments, questions, or concerns about anything we do here in the MMO Empire on our social medias. We are Mike, Mike, and Oscar on Facebook and Instagram at MM and Oscar on the Twitter machine. We are Mike, Mike, and Oscar at gmail.com.com and on Reddit. We are available wherever you do hear podcasts. If you're listening to us on either the Apple Podcast or Spotify app, if you appreciate what we do, if you would mind leaving say that's all folks leaving us a five-star review i'm leaving that porky pig reference in this episode uh <laughs> that would truly help us out maybe you just like porky pig references and i got us another five-star review that's cool with me uh <laughs> i do and hopefully they do they should mike tell the good people what's coming next from us and let's have some words of wisdom to end on well, because we spent like a co- combined 30 hours this week on this episode, go we, may, <laughs> we may not put out another episode this week. So you may. I, no, no, in all seriousness, too, like, dear listener, if you appreciate that, we like doing this type of stuff. If you like hearing these types of episodes from us, let us know. We don't mind doing more, but yeah, they are quite the amount of prep work. I do think we should do at least a summer movie preview like this every year. Yeah, I was going to say every quarter, but we'll see. Yeah. <laughs> we'll see how much. Uh, mental strength I have for that. Well, now we know this is like a big thing. Maybe this is an Oscar race checkpoint box office update segment where we just do an over under on the next movie every week. Maybe it's not an episode, but I I'm glad we did this. This is, this was a lot of fun. Yeah, it was. And uh, I think it'll play. I just wonder, yeah, I wonder if people like it or if they just think we're Looney tunes. Could be both. uh, Well, Looney tunes. I see what you did there. The little porky pig reference. (laughs) (laughs) What's coming next from us? We're going to do an Oscar race checkpoint at some point. 
I don't know if it'll be this weekend or if it'll be early next week. We have a ton of news stories to catch up on. I am going to watch a lot of Tribeca Film Festival films this weekend, so that's what I'm going to be doing. You're going to watch a lot of Boston Celtics. We may have to do a Devil and the Advocate for you just to rant about Tribeca and what they did to you. That's a deep pull. That's a deep pull in terms yeah. of MMOIP that we could reboot, Quill. Yeah. That we probably shouldn't. But well, yeah, I we mean, had fun you, with you those deserve episodes. deserve a platform. I mean, Tribeca played some dirty pool, I think. Yeah, I'm a little bummed. Yeah. I wonder how much of that's in their hands. I wonder how much of the rest of the slate I'm still going to like. I'll be honest. They, they pulled some movies from the at home. Last After second. you spent hundreds of dollars to buy the pass. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's dirty I didn't, pool. I didn't buy the critics pass. I bought the regular people pass. Because I didn't think I had time to see four Unless movies. you were the only person who bought the regular person pass, I, I don't approve on what they, they did. Pulled, they pulled eight titles that I really wanted to see from the regular person pass, at home pass. And I'm going to go to the actual festival as well. I'm still excited to see some of their movies. I watched a couple of short films. I'm I'm still into the festival. Last year I had a great experience at Tribeca, yeah. Mike. It was, it was at home. I remember. But it was really fun. And the movies were cool. And we did a 12 hidden gems, or 12, not hidden gems, 12 Tribeca gems. They were hidden at the time that I was pleasantly surprised about. Now, I think I'm kind of a little bit bummed at the moment that, you know, they didn't give me the chance to at least buy the tickets to see them in person because they pulled them out the day of, the day of the launch, the day of That's, Jennifer Lopez premiere. Yeah. So, like, if I, if I knew these 10 films were not in going to be able to i was you know if i wasn't being able to see him at home if i knew that i would have bought some tickets to see some of them on another day and now it's like all rush to see these movies so that's that's a bummer unfortunately so they did they actually hurt their business in a way Mm -hmm. i would think because i would have well maybe maybe not because they're sold out maybe that's what they're saying these movies are sold out and maybe the producers and the studios are like these movies are sold out we don't need to give them to every all the fans free at home That's a bummer. That is a bummer. Shouldn't have promised it. Shouldn't have promised it at first. Words of wisdom: Don't overpromise. You always gotta, you always gotta undersell, underpromise, overdeliver, underdeliver. No, oh, you gotta (laughs) overdeliver, right? That's why. Promise nothing and deliver less. That's film Twitter in a nutshell. If you don't overdeliver, you're you. That's the impossibility of the movie business, right? You have to overdeliver no matter what you're promising, or else people are annoyed. And I'll tell you another thing. Jordan Peele shouldn't have showed the spaceship. <laughs> he might have overpromised. He shouldn't. We have don't done know. That. It's a white. It's a white UFO. All the uh, multicolored inflatable tube men start dying after it. After it shows up, like should have hit that. Maybe not. We will find out. We will. And and let us know your over unders. By the way, maybe that's the words of wisdom. You get back at us. We put on a lot of numbers in this episode. But if you're tallying them up at home, you tell us. Are you over? Are you under? Are you bullish? Are you bearish on all these films? Let us know. There you go. Good words of wisdom. Good way to end the uh, the ridiculousness of this episode, I think. Guys, when reality sucks, you can come create your own gambling dichotomies with us. We are Mike, Mike, and Oscar trying to make award season year-round. Without the stuffiness, we will see you all very soon. See ya. See ya.